you are listening to the Periodic Table of People podcast. I'm your host, Nebo Mahoney, and welcome to the show where we explore what really makes a chemist. Welcome to the first episode. Um, it's been such a long time coming. It's hard to believe it's really here. And I'm so glad to, to welcome you guys. So first off, who am I? My name is Nevo Mahoney. I'm a PhD researcher in UCC or a student or a candidate. We've got a lot of buzzwords for this. Um, and I work in the area of analytical chemistry. So what is analytical chemistry? I hear all you secondary school students ask. Well, analytical chemistry is the background bone to chemistry, um, in my unbiased opinion, um, which is actually used in all areas of so physical, organic and inorganic. Those kind of key pedestone chemistry areas that you actually do study for your leaving cert. So what is analytical chemistry? Analytical chemistry studies and uses instruments and methods and it identifies, separates and quantifies and qualifies compounds. So the area that I actually research is called BIRDS, which is Broadband Acoustic Resonance Dissolution Spectroscopy. Really long-winded name, hence why we go by the uh, the, the short version, BIRDS. So it's a greener, time-efficient and cost-effective method of analysing drug formulations and in the hope that we can get those drug formulations released to market quicker. So there's never really been a time that there's been so much chemistry in our heads in the news um, with vaccine rollouts, vaccine productions, um, uh, like efficiency of vaccines, clinical trials. Um, and it's just never been so potent, I suppose, or in our faces in our day to day. And that was one of the main reasons I wanted to start this podcast and to just spread the word of what chemistry really is like day to day, not just these mega corporations on the news. Um, so I'm actually in the third year. I'm hoping to complete my PhD um, within the next 12 months, as in to get to graduate. Um, and I'm hoping to do a PhD by publication, which is a little bit of a cheat sheet, I suppose, to a PhD. Um, if you have uh, a large data output throughout your PhD process. Um, but I'm sure we'll go into that in more detail uh, in future episodes, whenever it's a little bit more applicable to talk about. So a little bit more about me. I'm a bit of a busybody um, with regard to my interests at work. Um, I represent CEF, so the School of Science, Engineering and Food Science, the postgraduate community there in UCC. Um, and it mainly involves a lot of meetings, but it's very rewarding. Um, I also have a huge re- interest in outreach and I've seen the benefits of what a little bit of human contact can do for students, um, whether that's secondary school students um, or undergrad students. Um, and I've just noticed a severe lack of that throughout COVID. And I just wanted to reignite that um outreach go um get up and go um that we have in the chemistry community um by introducing this podcast so this should be a, like an easy informative way to approach chemistry and i suppose ask the questions without actually having to ask the questions we're hoping to like give you the answers without you having to like go to someone that you barely know or you don't know or you don't even know who to go to um to ask these questions of so the first thing i want to ask all my guests is what is your definition of success? And I just think that's such an interesting way to put your life into perspective. I think success is something we all chase our whole lives. We we want to be successful. I think it's ingrained in us as humans, whether that's in a work sense, in a personal life sense, in a hobby sense. And it's something we actually never sit down and say, what does success 
actually mean to me? Like, what is my dictionary definition of success? Um, and I suppose I think it's something that everyone should do. Um, I've only actually done it recently through a online teaching program I did. Um, I suppose first off, I'm going to describe my definition of success. So very important to me, definitely as a PhD student who has very blurred lines between their work day and their off time, um, is to have a really good like work-life balance, okay? And I really need pressure to strive. I need the pressure to make me work harder, go stronger, but also I don't want to be able to take that stress home with me um, and creating those boundaries between. So that's more what I mean by a work-life balance. I want boundaries between my work and my play, I suppose. I want to be content in my work. I know everyone strives and chases happiness, but I think if I'm content in my work, if it makes me comfortable or or um, doesn't need to fulfill me, but I want to enjoy it, if that makes sense. It doesn't need to bring me my joy, but it needs to be more than tolerable, let's say. Um, and I am very much someone who strives to be uncomfortable. Discomfort is where I push myself to be better. Um, so I never want to have comfort in my job. I always want to feel a little bit overworked, a little bit on edge, just to make sure I'm performing at the best of my ability. So I know a lot of you listening to this are either in secondary school or you are in undergraduate. So I'm going to just give a little bit of what I've seen throughout my undergrad and me selecting my course from school um, and any tips and tricks I might have for you guys. So first off, the thing you need to address, the elephant in the room, is your undergrad is designed to be challenging. It is designed to get a curve of grades of have people of different levels not all achieve the same there's no cookie cutter um, way for everyone to walk out that door with the top grade um, because then whenever you go to look for a job everyone has the exact same degree so it is designed to allow the people who work hard to get the good grades and unfortunately a lot to do with these lab sciences that the theory is still um, balanced out to be um, the main way to get your grades as opposed to the lab work and um, which I suppose is a little bit unfair particularly whenever you go to work you're mainly actually in the lab rather than like writing and the internet's available to you and there's millions of databases out there for your help when it comes to the chemistry side of things um, but I suppose if you don't learn the theory in your undergraduate then you're never ever going to learn the theory and um, when you go to a job doesn't matter if you came in from primary school or you came in with a PhD you're going to be taught in industry the exact same you're starting at the same base level and you have to build up the skills and every time you change company you do the exact same thing because everyone has their own work practices that they want to keep so I think in undergrad it's very important to work hard and to make your work show Okay, so that is in the sign of assignments to show that you have been conscientious. And I know that requires a lot of time and a lot of time the people don't want to give. But I think if you're someone who's listening to this podcast, you are someone who is actually interested in putting in the time and the energy and the effort in the hope that you will actually achieve your grades. So study smart and not hard is probably the best tip that I can give you. I suppose hard, not hard, you will realistically have to study hard, but studying smart is such a major tool and it took me a really long time to know that. First and second year, I spent hours at the books. I just didn't know how to study, did so wrong. And then I kind of eventually figured out how to study in third year. And I suppose just in time before third year counted for our final grades um, and fourth year too. And it served me so well. And I just want to get people 
caught up on that so they don't have to do two city years of stupid hours studying before they have to um, fine tune um, and learn how to study themselves. So first off, biggest tip ever and what I thought I would I should have known in first and second year and I suppose something I took for granted because it's ingrained in how you work for Leaving Cert is exam papers are your best friend. Every university has previous exam papers available on their library website and I cannot stress to you enough that is how you theme your study. Okay so whenever you're in Leaving Cert you've had hundreds of exam papers. I remember when we were in maths we went through two different companies exam papers because I was one of the first people who did project maths and we had to do the um, two different companies who'd made up their papers so we'd have as much practice as physically possible and we went through like 10 different maths papers in each company Um, and it's just something I never translated into my college life and my best tip would be that you need to get your exam papers okay you go through it and you say that's that area that's that lecture's topic with your highlighters so let's say three lectures you get three different colored highlighters and you go through the exam paper and you say that is professor s that is professor y and that is lecture z okay and you group them into those topics and you spread them out then from there you go about answering your exam questions and this is the really important part. You do not learn to answer a single question. You theme your notes around the questions. So you study the topic, not the question. So let's say you have someone who is teaching you electrodes. You theme your um, your notes to be, that's the electrode section. That's how I know to talk about electrodes. And then you make sure that every exam question that's ever come up has been answered within that text body of your um, notes. Okay. So that is my biggest tip. I would say use as much color as possible, just in the hope it'll be a memory trigger, colored paper, highlighters, pens, change your notes, Make sure you make them evolve. As you learn more, remove the stuff you now know and get them shorter and shorter. And I would say start this as early as you can. I was a crazy person. I'd be studying for eight weeks before exams for about 12 hours a day. That's not sustainable. That's not possible for everyone. But I was just one of those people that thrived on that, who enjoyed to study. But by doing this way of making notes, you will cut down your study time compared to what you previously have been doing. Another tip or trick I have with regard to highlighters is my MCQ hack. So MCQ is really scary, a really big thing in first year undergraduate study in particular or in biology is MCQs. Um, So there's like 100 questions on a page and you have to pick the right answer for each of them. So the answer is on the page and that supposedly should make it easier but I'm not sure if that's completely true because you do get a lot of self-doubt. So my first thing to do would be like get one colour highlighter, go through the whole paper and answer what you know is right. Okay, and highlight the answer on your exam paper with that color. Do not touch an ed pack sheet. Do not touch the answer sheet. Next, go through with another color highlighter and say, yeah, I'm pretty sure of that one. That one, I think, is the answer. And do that and trust your gut. And then the next time, go through and say, that's my best guess. Okay, particularly if it's not uh, negative marking, you should answer every single question. And even if it is negative marking, typically it's worth the risk in the hope that you've like a one in four chance of getting it right, even if you're not that sure. Um, of course, that is personal preference um, and what you want to do um, as the, per- the student who's doing the exam. But in my experience, it's always been worthwhile to answer every question that you can, just in the hope that you get those couple little extra sneaky marks. 
I would also say trust yourself, back yourself, believe in yourself. If you've done the work, you, you the information is there. You've seen it before. Um, and it's a matter of just fine tuning that information and developing a technique that you know how to bring that information to the front of your brain whenever you're answering that exam. Of course, whenever you're doing 10 or 12 modules or like six a semester, it's all muddled up in there completely, especially if you're doing kind of an interdisciplinary um, undergraduate study. Um, so I think it's very important to trust yourself and understand how you can develop your own thinking skills and mechanisms to exam um, to be examined and in the best to the best of your ability. Um, and I suppose another big tip I have in undergrad um, is do not forget to have fun. Your undergrad is supposed to be meeting new friends, trying new activities, and it's just the start of developing into an adult. And you'll get so much life experience, more than you'll ever understand until you've left, until you're old like me. And I'm sure that people listening are saying she's not that old. But whenever you're in postgraduate study, you're just like, God, I miss my friends in undergrad or I miss the, the simple joy of being off on an afternoon and being able to do whatever I want with my friends. So please play into that. Do the best you can to just have fun with your friends, but please don't forget to do some work while you're there. I suppose now I want to just touch on a little bit of trying to decide in your course. I know whenever I was in secondary school, I was all over the place. I knew I wanted to pursue science. That was a fact. I was thinking about speech therapy and pharmacy. And then I ended up in general science, um, even though when I was in fifth year, I did a placement in science and absolutely insisted I would never, ever, ever do a lab science that I wanted a job that came straight from my undergrad that I wanted to do engineering to become an engineer but I suppose look where I am today and I am happy I ended up where I am because I think a general science degree like chemistry biology physics um maths they're such a solid foundation to show your work ethic a science degree a stem degree shows the dedication you have to your studies and that is all a future employer or a future course will want from you it's really important to note that it's not very clear when you're in school in particular that once you get your first degree once you have a level eight or a level seven in some cases you can use that as a passport to your future career that you did a degree in chemistry and then you actually realize no I really want to open my own business you can do business masters you can transfer courses you can do chemistry and go and do a conversion course to engineering it is simply a passport to your career journey and I think it's very important to stress careers are a journey and we're going to see that so much more now in the rest of the episodes of the podcast that we are not trying to get to a single destination that's definitely more what our parents generation did and people previous to that but for us and our generation I do think it'll be lots of little stepping stones throughout our career um, rather than getting to a final destination. The last thing I want to touch on before I go through what to expect from the podcast itself is my biggest challenge Um, and probably the real motivating factor for this podcast was to show um, differences within the chemistry community and hence the name periodic table of people how everyone's really different just like the elements but we're all linked um, in the periodic table of people. Um, and so my biggest challenge I've ever faced is in the leaving cert year of my uh, my school, in school, um, I was diagnosed dyslexic and it knocked me for six. There's no two ways about it. Like I always knew I found spelling hard and my concentration wasn't really there. Um, but at the time, I just branded myself like stupid is the best way to put it. 
um, which is horrific when I think back. Because back then it felt debilitating. It weighed me down. And I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to deal with it. I powered on through my leaving cert, got into first year in college, completely resisted any look at any help. I like drove on through. And it took me to second year in college to just take a breath and think about it. And even when I was an undergrad, the only help I would accept was extra time in my exams. And that was purely because we always had exam papers that we get four questions and we could be told to answer three. And I wanted the extra 15 minutes per hour and a half to be able to try and answer the fourth question. And I suppose now I've reached my postgraduate level of study and I've truly had a time to step back and think I can see the perks of my dyslexia and how my dyslexia has actually changed my career trajectory and my way of thinking and my openness to understanding new things and I suppose this podcast wouldn't be in existence if I didn't have my dyslexia and the creative side that that brings with me. It is definitely my superpower even though it felt like my greatest curse in the in previous years and I really do look forward to developing my skills as a dyslexic further. And I just wanted to say to any kids out there who are looking to go into college having been diagnosed with dyslexia or finding it difficult that it will get better. The mainstream education system is not designed for atypical thinkers, I suppose is the best way to put it. Anyone with a specific learning difficulty. And you can develop your own methods once you're finished that structured educational system and I do think the educational system is slowly shifting towards a more inclusive way of learning to allow those students to thrive in a constructed educational system Um, however that is a little while off I suppose Um, and I just need to say to any dyslexic dyscalculia or any specific learning difficulties to really invest in your own time and internally look at what helps because I think a diagnosis it can it can knock you and I know many people it has knocked but it is either an explanation or an excuse and I really 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 want to push you into trying to look at it as an explanation and try and harvest the joy and the beauty of having an atypical method of thinking and knowing what you can do to better the world um, and in particular, anyone who's struggling, uh, please look on Instagram um, and uh, like Twitter and follow accounts that enhance your um, specific learning difficulty and show the pros and the number of people who actually have the diagnosis. I think that is so important. So that's my little two cents on myself and who I am. Um, and just a little bit on what to expect from the rest of the show. I'm going to have interviews with lots of people. And I say interview, but it means more like a chat um, with lots of different people, with lots of different um, career goals um, and career uh, day-to-day lives, I suppose. But they all have a backing or a foundation in chemistry. And we're going to speak to undergraduates, lots of postgraduates in different areas who've had different um ways of going about their um, postgraduate studies so people who did certificates and masters and internship years prior to studying a PhD in different areas people who are doing their PhD in their second language um, people who uh, work in the food industry in environmental science in pharma just so many different backgrounds um, and I really hope that you can get a um great experience and learn as much as you can from this podcast and I hope to see you soon 
Um, so thanks for listening, you guys, and we'll see you uh, in a couple of weeks. Next time on the pod, we're going to be speaking to just recently finished up final year students who are hoping to graduate in October. And these two women are going to discuss their experience throughout their degree um, time as well as their future plans. Um, so they're two very different people, but completed the same uh, undergraduate course with very different perspectives. One is going to further education in a master's and the other is going to complete a graduate um, job with the hope of doing a master's in the future. So it would be really interesting to compare these two lovely women's perspective on their uh, degree thus far and their career um, and what they hope for the future, as well as give some really Really handy tips and tricks to all you guys out there. So tune in next time to get all that info. Please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast on all your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. would like to thank the Royal Society of Chemistry Outreach Fund for their support and funding for this podcast, as well as the School of Chemistry in UCC for their encouragement, involvement and support. Please reach out to us on Instagram, Twitter or wherever you use your social media platforms and give us any feedback or comments you would like um, to develop the podcast with us. Um, We're really here to serve you. So we really look forward to that feedback. Uh, Apple Podcast seems to be the best way to help a podcast out at the moment. So any um, ratings and reviews on there will be hugely appreciated, guys. Until next time. Mm-hmm.